Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We're back. You're immersed in the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ championship game tonight. College basketball, the crescendo is tonight. Jim Nance's last game, Queen City icon, uh, is tonight as well. More than our truth, or is our truth? No, more there's a- multiple Queen City icons. There's not one. No, I know. I'm asking if he's more of a QC icon than our truth. Um, I think with our truth in studio now, I'm going to go with truth, man. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with you. All right, cool. Well, this is but see it. the thing about the icon group is everybody's equal. Everybody's celebrating. Once you make it to Queen City icon, no, I'm that, I'm, I'm fine putting truth. If I ever see Jim Nance face to face, I'll tell him. I don't think he's gonna disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. So this is his last college basketball game uh, that he is calling tonight. What's our excitement level? I said uh, the other day a five out of one hundred. I stand on that ten toes down. I will still watch it, but I'm not very excited about this game. UConn doesn't normally. I mean, they don't have the star power that we would come to expect from UConn. Now, they played like stars. When we talked about they've won 11 of their last 12 games, uh, they've won five straight tournament games by double-digit points. So they have been uh, dominant, to say the least. But just as far as San Diego State, sorry, just not that familiar. Uh, I think Ryan Clark, I quote tweeted him on Twitter when he talked about the fact that he knew more uh, players in the women's tournament than he did in the men's by far. And I think that would sum it up greatly as far as how this tournament has been. There's not a lot of familiarity, not a lot of guys I feel like I'm going to see uh, dominating or, or all-star level NBA players in there. So it kind of makes my interest a little bit on the low side. But what say you? <laughs> It is so low. I need it. Can somebody bring in a defibrillator real quickly? Because Wes is dying on this as far as the excitement level goes, man. I'll I'll say like with UConn, I know they don't have anybody that's going to be drafted top 10 or top 20. Mm Sunoco has been a beast, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they don't. It's you can still have stars in the college game that are projected to be top five, top 10 picks. These guys have been awesome. Like Hawkins has been a flamethrower in the second half. He's been going for double digits. He had the one game where he had double digits in each of the halves. I forget which one it was, whether it's a couple or not. But Hawkins has been great. Sonogo has been an absolute beast down low. And I even know Sam Vecini was talking about Klingon, the center that's a great defensive uh, defensive rim protector for UConn. When he's in the game, he provides a real impact. Like For me, UConn does bring a lot of excitement. I think they do. And I think when we're talking about Blue Bloods, you're talking about dominance. You're talking about their margin of victory. They're within play of having the most dominant tournament of all time. If they beat San Diego State by more than 26 points, then they will have the greatest margin of victory over the course of the six games they won than any other team in championship history. I tune in to see greatness. I know you were talking about FAU, San Diego State. That's fair. That is not a unique opinion. There's a lot of people that didn't get hyped. But if we're saying that UConn is a blue blood, and they've also got a lot of really impressive players, even if they're not going to be drafted top 10 or anything like that, I'm here for UConn. Now, if you think this is going to be a boring game, I think UConn's going to run away with it. I do. Mm. But I am interested in the greatness that the Huskies are bringing, especially with their efficiency coming into this. Ken Palm had them nailed. 
I know a lot of people are mad about analytics infiltrating sports the way it is. I know a lot of people have a problem with it, but we've got to give it credit too. like Ken Palm had UConn absolutely nailed with just how good they really were. And here they are dominating in the NCAA tournament. So I'm kind of excited to see it. And if San Diego State pulls off the upset, I think it'll be a good enough one for me to be excited about on a Tuesday show. So I'm ready for it, man. Plus, I just love the sport anyway. And Fitty, you're super excited about this game. Do you have specific reasons that you're excited? I mean, I, I think the thing is you're going to see two teams that defend at a high level. So, you know, you, you actually get to watch defense in the college game as opposed to the NBA. You've got two You've got two coaches that, that their teams play with their personalities, and I and I love watching the way that Danny Hurley interacts with his players and then the way that they respond to him. They respond to him on the court, and I, I just feel like every time we get to a game and goes, oh, we're not going to be that excited. It's not going to be a good game. We get a great game. That was everyone's message about FAU San Diego State. Uh, this is not going to be a great game. I wanted Blue Bloods. I want star power. We got a buzzer beater uh, to, to, to determine a Final Four ending. So um, I think UConn wins. They've been the best team all tournament long. But I think it's going to be a much more better, a much more compelling game than we're talking about right now. And I think that uh, we have to give flowers, though. We did have the Wesson Walker Tournament Challenge, all right, heading into tonight. Uh, we got Court Knox sitting there at number one. Shout now. out. They had Arizona as their champion, but they're sitting on top right now with 860 points. I took a precipitous fall uh, from hanging around early <laughs> I, in the top bit, 15 were, to 20, and now I'm in the hundreds. This thing went yeah, on, man, so, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the hundreds right now, man. So this is uh, – I actually finished pretty well, I think. I mean, given the, at least in some of the other brackets, I'm like in the 86th percentile as far as all the ESPN brackets go. Mm -hmm. So mine didn't do that bad. But really, it's if you had UConn. That was the only thing real predictable coming in was if you had UConn in the Final Four, that saved you. I did. Yeah. So that saved my bracket. If you had him in the championship game or possibly winning the title, then there was nobody really messing with you like that. Yeah, so that's so, what helped. So then uh, UConn, one of the teams they beat along the way was the last ACC squad, the Miami Hurricanes. I thought Miami had a great chance to win this game, but it was not to be. Uh, the Canes, though, they battled and they were resilient, but it wasn't enough late. Uh, as far as my final thoughts on Miami's season, uh, I think they had a great year. We'll see who goes and who stays. Uh, I know they were talking about a Hunter Dickinson transfer, and I saw Miami yeah. fans excited about that, saying if they could get him to go with O'Meara and how good they could be. So we'll see what they do from there. We'll see if Coach L stays. That's going to be another uh, big thing as well, which I think he should, but we'll see. Uh, you know, he's getting up there, so who knows how many years he has left. But I think Miami should be very proud of the last two seasons uh, that they have had, and maybe this team just has the hunger to want to come back. Uh, after getting a taste of the Final Four because if they can reload and get a good bit of those guys back, they would definitely be uh, one of the teams next year that people think can make a big run. And maybe we can go to an ACC aficionado over there in Fiddy, but with Miami having an Elite Eight finish, having a Final Four finish, they would make some runs every now and then against UConn, but it never got real. It was always, I think they got it within eight after the yeah. big lead that UConn had, but that was about it. I think if Miami reloads this offseason enough to where they have a really good another really good season next year on top of keeping some of the guys in order to try to you know get this thing straightened out that that would go a long way in Miami's prowess as far as how consistent they can remain. What say you on Miami's ability to be good again, Fitty, a third straight year under Laranega? Well, I mean, as, as long as Jim Laranega's there, you know, they've got a chance because he's a great tactical coach. He knows how to recruit the players that he wants and the players that he needs 
to win at Miami. I do wonder if after this run and he got that program to the Final Four, if he hangs it up and says, look, my my time is done because if not, you might try to fire him again. But as long as right. he's there, <laughs> I, I feel like Miami will always be a contender in the ACC because they've got the NIO influence. They've got a legendary head yeah, coach, and you know they just came off a Final Four appearance. So you know there will be much, there will be a lot more of an attraction to go play basketball at the U. Yeah, you look at Wooga Poplar, sophomore; Nigel Pack, third year sophomore; not not Nortad O'Meara, third year sophomore. Jordan Miller will be gone. They will certainly uh, miss him. Uh, Bensley Joseph is a sophomore, and Isaiah Wong, who seems like he has been there forever, yes, is a fourth year junior. He could come back. So if these guys decide that they have unfinished business, I. I don't know why any of them would leave anyway through the portal or through uh, the NBA yeah. draft. When you talk about what Miami's offering as far as NIL opportunities and how forward uh, they have been with that, I think that most of these guys come back and Miami's going to be uh, one of the top teams next year. Are they going to be second? I was going to ask that literal question if we wanted to be definitive because Duke is going to be number one. If Filipowski comes back in the ACC, we talked about them being nationally preseason yeah. number one. Is Miami two? Yeah. I think they are as well, no right? About it. I mean, because North and Carolina be a preseason top ten team. North Carolina is not going to get that love. Yeah, I don't think Virginia is going to get that love. Who else? Fitty Miami is going to be two, right? Yeah, it's no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're gonna be a unless, top unless 10. you think Pittsburgh. Is, no, they're going to be a top ten preseason team because you talk yeah. about a team that's made a Final Four run and they could potentially bring back four guys for. Four to five uh, key contributors to this team. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, although Pittsburgh might be interesting because Jeff Goodman said they were picked to win the league yeah. during the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Goodman, if, if that's the case, then he will just want to banish the ACC and go with the big four. And I think they have a compelling case, though. Even if Filipowski comes back, this is very interesting that you bring this up. Do you still just automatically vault them over Miami? Because, you know, Duke did take care of them. Uh, when they saw him as far as on the yeah. court. But does the run that Miami's had with the additions that they could make, because, I mean, that's an attractive place, man. If you're a transfer, like I said, if I'm that kid, Hunter Dickinson, why not? If if he goes to Miami, that'd be crazy. Man, get the, if everybody comes ooh. back except for Miller, and Miller had the 27-point performance to get mm-hmm. to the Final Four, but could we really have Isaiah Wong back? He would be. He would take over Armando Baycott. Almost. I mean, yeah. Why would he leave? As far as the Perry Ellis yeah. of the ACC, nobody's. It would seem like that. Nobody's writing him in with the pen as a, a first round draft pick. Yeah, I was just gonna say it would be the Wong decision for him to leave for the okay. NBA. There you go. One hundred percent. Excellent stuff. I'll dismount there. That's fine. Go ahead, Wes. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about with Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese. Uh, we started the show off with it. And just one of the, uh, the the great moments as far as just uh, the, the, the trash talking and the pettiness. But then as far as it reached social media, we saw racial divide uh, on there. But let's hear from Angel Reese and uh, her thoughts on what happened. Were you sitting on the... Oh, I was waiting. <laughs> were you sitting on the... I tell you, I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> Me? At what point were you waiting to pull out this? Me? disrespect lightly and she disrespected Alexis and my girls South Carolina they still my SEC girls too but y'all not gonna disrespect them either so I had I mean, I wanted to pick her pocket but I, I had a moment at the end of the game and that was just I was in my bag I was in my moment yeah now listen too I mean I'm here for you disrespect one of my teammates even if I think 
I might take something that's not disrespect and make it disrespect just so I can uh, do something. But we the Michael about Jordan that. take this personally. Type <laughs> yeah, of we we talked about it at the top of the show. Like I said, the racial component is very strong here when you talk about ESPN celebrating and talking about the queen of clapback, Caitlin Clark. Nobody had much to say uh, at all about the taunting and some of the disrespectful things that she did. But then when she got the get back and she got the clapback. Then Angel Reese was an idiot and classless, and classless was trending uh, last night. It was absolutely ridiculous. We saw, uh, like I said, the racial divide and how uh, black athletes are perceived and white athletes are perceived. And so, uh, Walker, once again, you can let them know uh, your thoughts as clean as possible uh, mm-hmm. about I'm gonna this try. issue. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to try very hard. Fiddy, just be ready to uh, possibly uh, just do the dynamic producer thing and do the dump button. I'm but, always ready to dump you. Uh, I know you are. You've already <laughs> dumped me. I'm just happy you took me back at some of these times. But yeah, this is, look, if, if you are mad at Angel Reese, then that same energy has always been needed to be kept up for Caitlin Clark because this is something that was celebrated with her. And I don't think we have a problem with Caitlin Clark doing it, right? Like, you're not saying that? No. I'm not saying that. We're here for Caitlin Clark brushing off somebody at the three-point line. Like, I, I don't mind that. In the moment, it might even serve as some kind of mental advantage that you have. Oh, man, now I might have to shoot because Clark waved me off. Do I need to let make her respect my game? That might be a process of this. There are so many people that trash talk in order to get into your head and make you worse based by, you know, maybe gassing you up or making you scared. Either way, it is a part of the game. So when Caitlin Clark is out here talking, all of that trash, so much of it in so many different instances, you leave yourself open to receive that. And we mentioned that at the top of the show, it might be the number one rule in trash talk, where if you're going to dish it out, you got to be able to take it in return. And when Angel Reese was out there pointing to her ring finger, doing the same gesture that Clark did in an Elite Eight game against Louisville, where she was going off on a lot of different people in that Elite Eight game, like that was one where there were mul- multiple instances where Clark was showing off, you got to be okay with it. Yep. And and to be clear, I know you didn't, I guess, love the way Clark talked after the game because mm-hmm. you wanted to keep some kind of yeah, intensity. Yeah, she's like a different demeanor. But, but even with that demeanor, it's not like Clark was having a problem with what Reese did. Yeah. Like, And, and I want to make that very clear. This is not anything that Caitlin Clark is saying, that she had a problem. There are what people decided to drop in and say, oh, I have a problem with what Angel Reese yep. did to Caitlin Clark. Clark did not come out and say that at all. In fact, she hadn't had even a tweet about it, I don't think. I don't think I've seen anything on social media. All she said was, hey, thanks for a great season, yada, yada, do the kind of reflecting on a championship appearance. So none of this has been said by Clark, which I think is actually clear and something that should be noted. But Clark knows if you are going to talk all that trash, then you be re- better be ready for it to be given back to you in some of these moments, and that's exactly what happened in the championship. Yeah, and even when I talked about her postgame, I wanted to see either some self-awareness that, hey, I know I talk a lot of trash, so I got a little bit uh, a taste of my own medicine, but also, hey, if you're with it like that and you know you're coming back and you're the player of the year, can I get a, I'll see you again. You know you what I'm saying? WrestleMania to continue. Yeah, I'll see you again. <laughs> I'll see you again. I mean, this is the new rivalry right here. LSU and Iowa, if they play again in the tournament or in the regular season, that's must-see TV at this point after this. So I think that's also great for the women's game. Like I said, it stinks that, again, we have to go into the the racial element of this. We all know that it was. You can't say that it was not, and I hate that. But as far as just what is done – 
fanning the flames, making women's basketball have something to make you tune in for. And, oh, yeah, it's two great players, two of them at the top of the sport. Angel Reese, most double-doubles in the season in college basketball history. Caitlin Clark, player of the year, coming back again on light college basketball up. This is fantastic, man. So, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm here for every type of element that this brought. So, when we return on the Wesson Walker Show here on Sports Radio 92.7 FM, we're going to be talking about Jim Nance. We're going to be talking about more Carolina Panthers. On the other side, stay... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ going to the text line, the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. I did want to talk a little more college basketball. Four out of five returning for Miami does not guarantee anything. All caps, trust. My heels proved that. Demp still <laughs> from, after a tough season. Yes, maybe Tar Heels fans are looking at us, listening to us, be like, what are y'all talking about? Goober wrote in, great name. UConn men and women's combined blow away any of the other schools by miles right now with their ability to dominate come tournament time. That has been the case here recently. And I like Myron Goodman's text coming in about the Queen City icons. We were talking about them. Mm-hmm. He said, here, here are his rankings. Wes, tell me if you agree. Okay. Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. R-Truth, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, okay, and here's where it might get a little dicey, Sam Howe, and Antoine Jameson. Jameson's okay, but Sam Howe, you don't think he should be in there? No, nah, he's not Queen City. Well, I know, but uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you gotta be from the city. Man. What about Drake May playing at Mars Park? No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Maybe at some not point. Yet. I like, not yet, he's getting there. I like the list, though. Where was I at? Just ask him, where was I? You put yourself in the R-Truth category in the interview. Yeah, where was I? And then I questioned you about it, and you said, well, I did Bally's, and I did the Charlotte Hornets coverage, so yeah. I think I should be up there. Yeah. You really, that is... I do. That is, you. so you put yourself up there with R-Truth and Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what makes you you, man. Yeah. That's what makes you a, a Queen City icon, Wes Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wes Scott Range. You had something else? Uh, No, I'll leave it right there for now. Okay. As far as if you want me to keep commenting about that. No, I didn't I didn't know it just There's more icons than just that. For sure, there are. Yes. Seven oh four five I thought you had something about something else here, but that's okay. We can no, move no, on. No. Because we are gonna talk about somebody else, as you mentioned, with Jim Nance. We didn't get to him. I did want to talk about Jim Nance where he ranks because this is gonna be his last final four. Okay. So having this final four to call, you're gonna see a championship between Yukon and San Diego State. He's been synonymous with final four coverage for so long, Mm -hmm. but he's going to step away. He's going to do the masters. He's still going to do the NFL. How do you rank Jim Nance as far as a broadcaster? One of the greats of your lifetime. For sure. Where where do you put him? He's up there. I mean, for me, you know, you're talking Keith Jackson talking. He's my number one. Nobody will ever touch Keith. Uh, If the man's funeral had been close enough, I would have gone to it myself. Uh, So you're talking about him. Then you go uh, Madden and Summerall. 
they're up there for me. But then after those two, I mean, I think Jim Nance is starting to get into the ballpark for me. Uh, definitely top five. The fact that he's from Charlotte makes it even better. Uh, but when you talk about the Super Bowls, I mean, I enjoy his his uh, his college basketball coverage in the Final Four. So, uh, you know, he's in there probably in that four or five range for me, man. I, I really love uh, Jim Nance and what he's done. It's going to be weird to not have him. I mean, my whole life. Jim Nance has been calling the final yeah. four. I mean, that's what that's what's been going on with him. And so it's going to be weird not to have him a part of that moment anymore, at least for me. Fiddy, I know you're kind of ready because you don't feel like he has the excitement anymore about college basketball. You want some passion. It's your favorite sport, but you don't think Jim Nance brings it despite your respect for him. Yeah, no, he's a hell of a broadcaster. He's maybe the most versatile broadcaster right now going in the game. Um, that guy doesn't love college basketball. He doesn't want to call college basketball. And that's why he's stepping away. It was his decision to to take himself away from the coverage. And look, I, I, I get it. The, the guy should have called it quits after he called the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater. Because how do you top that? Like, that's the standard that every tournament has to live up to. And that's not going to happen year in, year out. And when you listen to Ian Eagle call college basketball, there's a passion with behind that voice. And, you know, it, it'll be different. But it, it'll be a good difference because you'll have a voice that watches the game, that follows the game, that loves the game. And I think it will reflect on the broadcast as opposed to three guys drinking some coffee while they call a college basketball game. Yeah, since 1985, Nance has been the voice of March Madness coverage, working with guys like Bill Raftery, Clark Kellogg, Billy Packer, of course, who just passed away earlier this year. But when you look at Jim Nance since 1985, that was the Villanova championship over Georgetown that season when that's still the lowest seed ever to actually win the whole thing. So when you talk about going to possibly the biggest Cinderella story ever, just as far as who was able to get it done in the championship game, you beat Patrick Ewing as an eight seed, such as what Villanova was able to do. And that's your first year. And now here you are being able to call a buzzer beater in the final four. What a storied career, man. Like just at least being involved in that type of title game. Yeah, man. And now here you are calling it quits. I, he'll go down as one of the best of all time. Like for me, when I think of that kind of prowess, I go to a Jim Nance, I go to an Al Michaels. I put Al Michaels up there just yeah, as far as I like him who, too. I remember, you know, calling the sport at its highest level. Um, you know, the, honestly, as far as the older play-by-play -play announcers, those are the two that I kind of hold with the utmost respect as it currently stands. Those are the guys I go to. Yeah, man. And so it's going to be great. I mean, I heard people talking about it this morning. So many memories. I mean, I don't know a different Final Four championship game right. voice. Like I said, all the great moments have his voice in it. He's definitely going to be missed. Uh, and so, like I say, you know, he's going to ride off into the sunset. He said he had to spend more time with his kids and things of that nature. So you got to respect that. So I guess he had to give up something. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what is replacement and how they do because that's big shoes to fill. Well, it's Ian Eagle, right? Ian Eagle. Eagle is going to be taking yeah, yeah. over. Yeah, which a good good replacement for sure. Do you do you think they should bring him with Bill Raftery? I saw you and Willie P talking about this on Twitter. Oh me. yeah, it should be him, Spinarkle, and Rafferty. Grand Hill absolutely sucks. <laughs> on on, I mean, like that guy doesn't want to be there. You think that dude watches college basketball? He has nothing to he has nothing to offer the broadcast other than the fact he played the game at a high level for a blue blood program. That's it. And don't say I I hate Duke guys because guess where Spinarkle played? He's a former Dukey. Mm -hmm. And so that's all I want. I want to hear people that love the game that want to call the game. Bill Rafferty wants to be there. 
Uh, Jim Nance and Grant Hill don't. So if they want to overhaul the whole broadcast booth, this guy that loves the sport, that protects the sport, he's not going to complain. The problem is with styles, though. I don't know if it means they don't want to be there. You just want somebody <laughs> to go crazy like Raftery all the time. No, like, I, I want a guy to talk with some passion. Does he ever talk with passion? Who, Jim Nance or uh, Grant Hill? Both. I'm not a fan of Grant Hill as much. But, he, I mean, Grant Hill's, Grant Hill's fine. But, like, with Jim Nance... To me, that's always been his style, though. Like you think, so yeah. you're you're telling me there is a difference, an audible difference from what he was doing pre Chris Jenkins to post Chris Jenkins. Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. did you you sound like I'm the stupid one here? Like, how in the world can I not? You said it, not hear, me. Hear the audible difference? Like, goodness gracious! Yeah, 2017, it looked like I was listening to Eeyore broadcast the game. Oh, well, shame <laughs> on me. Okay, well, just go listen to the call of the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater. Yeah, the, one of the greatest shots of all time. And then go call the, the go listen to a 17 call. Of course, not a dramatic finish, dramatic ending, but the same team that lost on a buzzer beater the year before and heartbreaking fashion comes back and finishes sure. the job. And he was just there out there is. like, yeah, there it is. I wanted to explore a little bit further. There it is. He did, you know, but good. it, I mean, it's it's telling. Like you're you're still calling. Like if, if a team comes back from heartbreak, there should be some emotion. There should be some passion. And he just said, and the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. I could have read that. Good Lord. I'm going to guess it would not have sounded as good as Jim Nance. And I right. like you, Fiddy. I think you're a good broadcaster. I'm a great broadcaster. I'm a Queen City icon. Right up there. Well, you're not from the Queen City. And R-Truth. You're a historic Lancaster icon. Yeah, you're a Lancaster icon. There's a, there's a different threshold. Yeah. No doubt about it. Granny Pat does not like Jim Nance either, though. So Granny Pat oh, wow. is also on your side. Yeah, don't like Jim Nance. Glad he's going. That's what Granny Pat I wonder why in. she doesn't like him. I'm not sure. He has Nance in his pants. <laughs> I don't... Just a bad joke. It was. Yeah. yeah. 704-570-9610. <laughs> Feel free to write in the Garage Door Guru text slot. I did want to get to the athletic article talking about the Carolina Panthers and their trade up to number one. So Jim Person contributed to this. I believe a couple of other writers did as well. And I thought it was interesting, the process that was coming about here, Wes. You look at Joe Person writing about the Panthers and their pursuit of number one, how it could have been any of these players we've talked about before, Derek Brown, mm -hmm. Brian Burns, DJ Moore. That's what Ryan Poles wanted to get in return on top of all of the assets. What was interesting to me, my, my biggest takeaway from this write-up was the fact that apparently Chicago and Carolina, they Chicago wanted to move down to two first trade with Houston so that the Texans would get the number one overall selection. And then you would have Chicago trade all the way down to nine. So you'd have two moves for Chicago, oh, wow. a part of a grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Carolina reportedly was okay with this because they did not have their mind made up on what quarterback they wanted to select. And they were cool with two, as it's reported here, mm -hmm. two of the top four QBs, a part of this NFL draft process. And so if Carolina is cool with it, Hey, yeah, trade with Houston. If you want to, that's fine. Come calling us afterwards, and we'll go up to number two overall so we can make sure we get one of those two QBs, and we'll be all good. Maybe you don't give up a DJ Moore in that scenario, right? So, you know, that's that's probably the thinking. I thought that was the biggest takeaway. And so I guess now the question to take away from that is, do you think they've made up their mind now, or is it still very real that 
they have two QBs in mind of the four that are considered the top four passers in this draft. Well, like I've been saying, I think that they moved up because they wanted the control. I still don't think they know who they want. We've seen the pro days happen, and most of these guys, pretty much all of them, had pretty good workouts. I mean, Levis's was probably the most shaky of the bunch if you wanted to pick one. But other than that, the top three guys that you hear tied to the Panthers all did pretty well in their workouts. And I don't think they know. Again, you know, for those just tuning in or for those who uh, haven't heard before, I said it's just like if you went on a dating show and you had 10 of your friends in the room and you bought three or four beautiful women in there that you could date, and all your friends are going to have varying opinions. That's just human nature. And so I think that with these guys, I feel like personally, um, Anthony Richardson is the most he has the most questions about if he can become a star in this league, but I'm really starting to come around on his potential and what he could be. And so I think that when you talk about those three guys, I really think all of them are going to turn into something in this league. And so uh, therefore I think there's going to be some differing opinions. And I think they're really going to have to, uh, you know, put their heads together as far as figuring out what they want to do. I think they have, I can't even say I don't I think they have a strong indication of who may be in the lead. I think that they are really just trying to figure out what they want to do because I think they have strong options. I feel like either way they go, even when you talk about Richardson, yeah, the the tangible stats may not be there as far as the completion percentage and things of that nature, but the Panthers have the things to supplement him to turn him uh, into a star. And we talked about the Jalen Hurts effect and the development and how much I think that is playing in Anthony Richardson's favor. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think that the Panthers do not know what they want to do just yet. And I think that they moved up to the top of the draft because they wanted control so that if they did decide to change their mind, their guy that they wanted won't be gone. It's really informative piece. You know, go check it out. You can follow Joe Person on Twitter at Joseph Person. Here's another takeaway. I had many, but here's another one. So Joe Person writes, Ryan Poles met David Tepper when Poles interviewed for the Carolina GM job in 2021. Mm. Based on that experience, he knew Tepper to be an aggressive businessman. The Panthers had swung big for a quarterback a couple of times after Tepper bought the team in 2018. They made trade offers for Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson. That I've never thought about that before, where when you're a highly pursued candidate like Ryan Poles, or at least somebody that very clearly was going to get a job at some point, or you know, hope, whatever, right? Poles was going to get a job at some point. And then he goes and meets with some of these other teams. It's funny how you're already working even in those interviews where you know David Tepper is an aggressive guy. And so now when you're with Chicago, you have the number one overall pick. Now, based off of that experience, you can utilize that knowledge towards getting the most possible to then move back, including DJ Moore on top of the other draft picks. Right. Including some of this stuff and knowing that Carolina is going to be there, hopefully, because they've been aggressive in the past. I thought that was interesting just to get that intel as someone interviewing for a job with Carolina and then possibly using that intel against Carolina. Not not that we're all surprised. We all know David Tepper is aggressive, dude. I just thought that was kind of interesting with that mention of polls, getting that intel and then relying on that once he was the GM of Chicago trading down from the number one pick. I think it's shrewd. I mean, I think that's pretty, that's a pretty cool detail and I think it played in their favor, but I think that's excellent. Yeah. It was really cool to see Ryan Poles be able to pull that off if you're Chicago and if you're Carolina, I know people were talking about how the Panthers got fleeced 
There was that word used a couple of times. I don't think they got fleeced. The team that trades for the top yeah. pick, people are always going to say that. And, and I said this. Look, I, I and I spoke during that time. I wanted to keep DJ Moore. I might have included another first and kept DJ Moore because of the contract, because of how much that mattered to me in order to keep your number one QB in a positive environment. But they've done enough to at least give you some kind of status quo receiving core. It's yeah. still probably the biggest weakness is a lack of a true number one wide receiver, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I agree with Ben Solak when he joined us, I think two weeks ago, close to it now. He said it's probably C, maybe a little below average, what this skill group is as far as the pass catchers go, but it's not debilitating for a QB. You can still have success with that offensive line, with this coaching staff, with your number one receiver right now being Thielen, Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark right now, right? Like, I think with those guys, I think it's enough. Um, and they've done a really good job as we continue to celebrate with this offseason. So we will continue to move on and talk about it leading up to the draft that Thursday. Maybe it does take up until Roger Goodell steps up to the podium for us to truly know who that number one pick is going to be. We'll find out the last Fitty Flash of the day, though, right now. What you got for us, Fitty? want to turn our attention back to the NCAA tournament, which does come to an end tonight. Multiple coaches this week at the Final Four did speak out why they are against NCAA tournament expansion, which does feel inevitable. Wes, you've been talking about how you don't want to see these type of Final Fours more often. Do you think that Final Four ex- or that do you think tournament expansion is inevitable to ensure that the best teams do find themselves playing on college basketball's biggest stage? I mean, just thinking about it off the top of my head, I don't know how adding more teams is going to ensure that. I think, if anything, you add more chances for teams to lose. Well, the idea is that you get a larger sample size, and so the best team, when you do the whole 10 times, if you play a game, how many times is the best team going to win? Maybe nine, but maybe that one time you lose ends up in the NCAA tournament. So increasing the sample size, I understand the, the thought process, but I also hate the result as of that thought process. No reason to expand the field. If you are not a top 70 team, essentially a top 68 team, yeah. then you don't deserve to play for exactly. a championship. That is plenty. That is that is enough chances for you to get to the top 68. And if you extend that to, what, 96 is a projected number oh, that people... Ah. Think about that, man. A top 100 team. And so if you want to expand <laughs> it to a top 100 team to get in, the 97th team is going to be angry. Exactly. That's how it works. That's how expansion always is. The team that gets left out is always going to complain. Yeah, 100%. So I hate the this idea i don't want it to expand i understand the end game is always going to be money trying to make as much money as possible i still don't like see this i didn't like seeing it expand from 64 to 68 but at least it wasn't a big deal but a 30 team increase that's crazy that's so many different teams and i don't like watching it 704-570-9610 you can get some of those photo finished text into the garage door guru text line we have one more segment to go on weston walker sports radio 92.7 wfnc Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One more segment to go. Weston Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but I'm going to say it again. Weird show. A little bit of a weird show. 
certainly the way it started off, and that's only because of yours truly. But also, Fiddy came out weirdly more aggressive than usual today, too. Like, he's usually an aggressive guy. Mm-hmm. That usually had, he'll say some wild stuff, no doubt about it. But today, even more so, you felt that energy coming yeah, from him, I too. Yeah, I definitely did, man. But I thought we got the, start, the show started off great, man. Oh, we I were popping. Oh, I, I, think, I think people did, too. Yeah. On the text line, people certainly liked it. And then Fiddy absolutely had the fire. Now he's kind of, I don't know if he's checked out, but he's gotten a lot more calm now he's watching his <laughs> Mets checked baseball like, team. Like he said, Jim Nance is. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, I feel like you should start off every show by having to make me hit the dump button. <laughs> it's just a great way that we come in West Grunts. Yeah. You cuss, I dump you, and then we just get on with the show. That's that's great. Yeah, 704-570-9610. You can text us to say how much you enjoyed some of the weirdness on today's show. Do we not have anything that was uh, on this day in sports history today? Oh, I've got one. Oh, okay, let's hear it. Let's go to it. On this day six years ago, Carolina did return to the Final Four. And they won the national championship. I love this being the secret behind the dance hate. And uh, it's not, dude. It's not just that. Like, like that sealed. Uh, that sealed the deal for it. I know. But like, if you go and listen to, like, I'm trying to think of another. Like, go and listen to Gordon Hayward's almost buzzer beater to beat Duke. You are talking, but but you are talking about some of the crazier moments in championship history. But it was. He wasn't prepared to call the shot. I'll say this about that Gordon Hayward shot. If it goes in. Best moment in sports history? No. Close to it? What's better than that? A half-court buzzer-beating shot against the blue blood that is Duke, where a lot of people hate him. From small school, university, they get to the championship game. I'm sure there's a lot that are. Look, you get point as far as feats go, not storylines all-encompassing. Maybe college basketball. But as far as feats go, college basketball, is that the best one? Watching an improbable run by Butler hit a half-court shot to win the title. What else tops that? It's, it's pretty close, right? It's about sports history? It's yeah, strong. Well, something else yeah, that tops I mean, we've that. Had, good lord! It's it's. it's yeah, you got so many, you but you be, said none. No, to be fair though, you can't be mad at West. It's as strong as you could possibly come yeah. with that take. I so mean, the, I'm, it I'm was cool literally it. David versus Goliath, though. It is literally that, no doubt about it. So, at least in college basketball, what else? What else is, is I mean, Villanova, Georgetown, we just talked about. Beating Patrick Ewing, Villanova getting there, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. As far as just, as far as shots go, maybe just individual athletic feats. That one's pretty crazy. So, anyways, forgive me if I can't expect Jim Nance to live up to that potential call with calling North Carolina winning against Gonzaga the second time around. I just can't get there. I can't I can't get mad at him for not keeping that same energy. You need to expect more from your broadcasters. <laughs> I do. I expect more from you every day. And, and I keep on I mean I keep on delivering on top of everything you ask me to do. What about App State, Michigan? No. He- <laughs> hell no. That was a regular season game. Get get the hell out of here. App State, what's the best moment in Wake Forest sports history, Wes? Oh, God. Uh, when I showed up on campus. Yeah, Wes transferring. <laughs> when they announced that Wes was going to be transferring from Florida. Yeah, and I couldn't do a post. To Wake Forest. No, I don't even. Oh, man. I mean, I watched the ACC documentary. I mean, they went to, they won ACC championships, like, back in the day and stuff like that. I, I mean, I guess you go with that, but I can't. Yeah, there's so many. Oh, no doubt. The uh, ACC championship in football. 
Okay, there you go. Yeah. Riley Skinner. I'm not, yeah, no that, doubt about that, it. That whole squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Casey, Steve. Like, now, now everybody, we're going to do the biggest cliche sports radio segment possible in best the, moments. The greatest moments in sports yeah. history. Yeah, Casey, Steve. Yeah, I, mean, you, I mean, you got Olympics. You're talking about. John Carlos and them at the podium. Jesse Owens in front of Hitler. Like I mean, okay. Come on. Well, yes. If we're please, hey, you talking about sports history? Let's, let's let's not get it twisted, okay? You talk about none of the energy that I want is bringing I'm race into saying. me saying that it goes below <laughs> Gordon Hayward. You said sports moment. I'm saying feats as In far game as stuff. As far as shots go, yes. Please, Jackie Robinson. I mean, Michael Jordan hitting a shot on Utah. Yeah, it's a great moment. That's yeah. great too. I apologize for coming a little too hard with Gordon Hayward. <laughs> it's still not David but it was, Goliath, but though. it's still but it's still yeah, but crazy. It's Butler, man. But, exactly. It's it's Butler, man. A five seed from the horizon. Nobody cares. You are you are actually more of an elitist than yeah, you even give credit to. Well, I mean, it would have been a great moment, but come on. It would have been insane, though. It'd have been top five in college basketball history. At least give me that. If I have course shot West. Oh no, it, no, it, it would have been by far the best moment in the history of the sport. Yeah, Especially of, in the history of, of college athletics. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that context. That's but that's sports fair. Overall, that's fair. I, I, I will say though, it, it is a strong take to act like, to act like what you were saying was ridiculous. That would be a little disingenuous of yeah, me. And I mean, I was even saying Olympics, like people breaking records, Usain Bolt, things of that nature. All right, I'm gonna. This doesn't seem like it's going well for me, so I'm gonna move off of this conversation. <laughs> I do not want to delve into that area. I was just saying it would be crazy. Yeah, Deacon Donna wrote in. Childress winning the tournament while yep. sick as a dog for Wake, but best NCAA moment will forever be Jim Valvano's national title. Is is the uh, eighty three championship there. the better college basketball yeah, moment there. of all time? Yeah, I mean, Let's it's, go to it's, you on it's that. Definitely up there. I mean, it was. I mean, it was a run that was improbable. Like they they entered the ACC tournament having to win that to make the NCAAs, and they won a national championship. Mm-hmm. It was improbable. Yeah, I mean, so Kristen Layton a shot against Kentucky. Would not be. That was a semifinal game. I, mean, I get it, that's but that's still an iconic Hayward. moment. No, uh, uh, no. I'm not going to say that would be better. If Gordon Hayward hits the half-court shot, no way that's even in the same stride. Yeah, that, that was an Elite no. Eight game, a Final Four game. Yeah, also, but the star power, Kristen Layton in Kentucky. The, the shot is overrated. That pass... <laughs> that pass is sick. Yeah, that too. I read in Grant Hill's book, he talked about that too. He said it, uh, it was a whole practice thing, and he kept messing that pass up every time they shot because they lost the game mm-hmm. because he missed that pass. I think it was against Wake Forest. He said he did that pass and missed it. And he told Leighton if he ever had the opportunity to do it again, he wouldn't mess up. Uh, I agree with D-Rob saying Steve Smith, ex-clown, route versus the Rams is the greatest sports moment of all time. Completely <laughs> agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that was crazy. I think Kyle waving his hand has something to contribute to this conversation. What you got for us, Kyle? I was saying hi, but also hi. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, know, I, I, I mean, ex- you was all demonstrative I, or whatever. Yeah, they, 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 that they was were, an aggressive they waving they of the questioning if Butler, Gump stuff right <laughs> there. No, yeah, they sure. were questioning if Butler hit the shot that would have been the greatest moment in sports history. If he hit the shot, he did hit the shot. Gordon, if Gordon Hayward hits about the Butler. half court shot oh, oh, against oh. Duke, it would be up there. Uh, it would be up there, yeah, right? I think it'd be up there. Okay. I, I just wanted consideration. I think it'd be up there for I, sure. I came in strongly. Question. All right. I'll drop a bomb as we walk away, right? That's, that's fair. Question. Colin and I are having a debate right now. Okay. Should flight attendants have to pass a PT test? Here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're flying home from Houston on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Colin, who's a pretty slender guy, gets set next to Haystack's Calhoun. Like this dude's about 450 sitting next to her. So Colin's getting pushed out in the aisle. 
right? But then here comes these two flight attendants, and he's also getting beaten up from the other side because, like, one of the flight attendants is, like, wider than the aisle. And so Collins is getting beat up every single time. And I'm laughing at him maniacally because he's just taking shots like he's in a football game. (laughs) And so he's complaining about getting beat up. And so now the question is, you know, should flight attendants have to pass a PT test? Like, if you're wider than the aisle, isn't that a problem, right? You make people buy seat extenders and two seats sometimes on planes. (laughs) So shouldn't the flight attendants have to pass a PT test? Yeah, I've never seen a flight attendant that was that size. I'm just just laughing at Colin because my man got beat up coming back from Houston on Friday. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. I hope Colin's okay. Is he is he okay? Is he still feeling some of that torture? Yes, this? he got hit with like a snack tray and everything. Oh, oh wow! That's, that's my man brutal. got. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly. at home though. Oh my god, my man was like he was furious too. Like he'd get clocked and then he'd look at me like he was going to lose it. It was absolutely hilarious. All right, that is the voice of one Kyle Bailey. Stay tuned for his show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.